Hello, City, and welcome to the Rare Birds podcast. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing really, really well. I'm excited to introduce you to my audience this evening. Oh, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, Siti, um, again, thank you for um, being a guest on the podcast. And before we jump into the discussion, I'd like you to tell us a little bit about you and where you're from. Okay. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Siti. I'm from Malaysia. Um, currently, I'm studying my bachelor's degree in business management. It was taught in Chinese. And in international, I'm oh, sorry, in University of International Business and Economics in Beijing. Yeah. <laughs> in Beijing. And City, something interesting about City is that her entire course is in Chinese. Yep, <laughs> exactly true. <laughs> yes. So that, and, and that's not always the case for every international student here. Sometimes it's all English, but yours is all in Chinese. So she's, I would like to think she's perfected the language, but she would probably say no. No, <laughs> I'm still struggling, trust me. <laughs> right, but but learning the language, I mean, not learning the language, but learning, you know, your studying, learning business in the language must be an interesting experience. Yep, it is. I can tell you, like, it's um, kind of tough, but it's also challenging, and it somehow makes you wonder and makes you push yourself that you can do better. And you can achieve more, um, like higher or which like um, different than other people, something like that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Mm. And you, you come from Malaysia, right? Yep. And where, which city in Malaysia are you from? Um, I was born in Kuala Lumpur, the city center of Malaysia. But I was um, grown up in Selangor. It's um, like two hours away from Kuala Lumpur. Okay, so for those who may not be sure of where Malaysia is, Malaysia is a country in Southeast Asia. And yep. let's see, it is sort of, Malaysia is, <laughs> I always find Malaysia interesting because it's kind, it, it's like divided amongst two, two pieces of, of land, if that makes sense, yeah? Yeah, got... true. <laughs> <laughs> like West Malaysia and East Malaysia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Singapore is kind of in, almost inside Malaysia. I mean, I know it used to be a part of Malaysia before. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, part of Malaysia, but now it's like uh, a different country. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's its own country now. Yeah. And Malaysia, what, what interesting facts should uh, we know about Malaysia? like in terms of like statistics or maybe anything interesting that you'd like to share with us about the country? So I can um, like introduce a little bit of Malaysia. It's just that like our um, population is quite small, <laughs> like 3.7 million uh, people in total. <clears throat> and then like um, we, are, we have like different kind of races and religions. Uh, for example, we have our own like, uh, for example, me, myself, uh, we have, I'm Malay, but uh, I'm mixed of races. My my grandfather and grandmother are uh, Chinese and Indian, and then uh, we have like Chinese from South China, um, and then Indians from South India, and then we also have different kind of religion, which is like uh, Muslims, um, Christian, and then um, Hinduism and Buddhist, and then there are some which are, for example, in East Malaysia, the uh, Sabah and Sarawak. 
Sarawak part, <clears throat> they have these kind of minorities, which uh, they uh, they make sun as their god or probably some kind of like ancestors which they um like they pursue as uh, they pursue them as their god. So something like that. <clears throat> and then, for example, food. Like we always say that Malaysia is a heaven for food because every state have their different kind of like um specialties of food. And also, like since we have a different kind of races, of course we have different kind of like food as well. So, even though like wherever you go for travel and stuff, you must stop by Malaysia and try every uh, different type of food. <laughs> you trust me, you'll fall in love with it. Every time foreigners come to Malaysia, they don't want to go anywhere. They just want to come back and stay there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Awesome. So Malaysia is ethnically diverse, religiously diverse. It's, uh, well, it's much larger than where I'm from. 3.4 million is a lot compared to where I'm from. So that's quite, um, that's quite big. And it's in Southeast Asia. It's surrounded by, you've got Indonesia. You've got, what else is out there? The Philippines. Mm -hmm. And then um, uh, Vietnam is also quite close to us. And like Japan. Um, Cambodia, Thailand. Thailand, yeah. Thailand is our closest, um, Thailand and Indonesia, our closest neighbor. <laughs> right, 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 exactly. And then Cambodia, Vietnam, Philippines are around there as well. And you're close to, there was a country around there that began with a B that was very wealthy. <laughs> yeah. Right, yes, yes, yes. So that's Brunei. It's like yeah, a Brunei. kingdom, right? The kingdom yep. of Brunei. Okay, 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 okay. Wow. And that's so, that's sort of right next door to Malaysia in the same, same region, right? Yep. Indeed. <laughs> Okay, awesome. Good. So at least we have an, an idea of, of where you're from. Awesome. So how did you end up in China? Um, well, this is a really common question, I guess. Mm -hmm, <laughs> like mm -hmm. from most of my Chinese friends, they will ask me like, uh, why do you come to China and study? I'd be like, um, at first, I didn't think of myself coming here to study. But then uh, when I was like applying for scholarships um, after my diploma in Malaysia and then after uh, during my working days that time, I was like thinking, okay, I should apply for scholarship and study my bachelor degree. So while going through all these kinds of scholarships towards other countries, for example, in Turkey and um, US and UK, I, um, I got their offer letters, but unfortunately, the scholarship are not there. So China is the one who's like giving me the, this opportunity with like full sponsored scholarship. So that's why I'm here. <laughs> okay, so you had options to go to other countries, but China gave you the scholarship, which was obviously the most important. Yep. And I think that's, that's to be fair, I think when you look at China and all the different nationalities that are here from all over the world, I think in terms of scholarships, everyone will tell you that was the deciding factor. China just, China is giving everybody a lot of money to come study here. So yeah. it's making it, it's making it hard to say no, right? Yeah, kind of true. <laughs> when you're because, thinking like probably future China is like um, the, how say, the most powerful country. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, because you might only get a partial scholarship to go to the U.S., but then you have to find the rest of the money. Or maybe you might only get like the academic portion of the scholarship to go to the U.K. or something like that. And yeah. where are you going to get the money from unless you take out loans or some countries don't allow you to work? Yeah. But I know it's 
with China, when you get a scholarship, you also get like a stipend, a monthly stipend. Yep. And you get housing. So it's it's a good deal. Yeah, it's a good deal. Trust me. <laughs> it's a good deal. And when did you arrive in China? I arrived here in China in 2016, um, August 21st. Wow. Okay. So it's been about three years for you. Yeah, three years and a half. <laughs> okay. And how are you enjoying your academic experience so far? It was really great. Um, even though it's kind of like getting harder and harder, but then um, I think it's more interesting because like somehow it, um, it relates to what I studied before in my diploma, which is business. So mm-hmm. I feel like um, it's a good thing because like in Malaysia, I studied in English and here I just studied in Chinese. So basically, I already know the foundation. It's just that, okay, it's just in language base. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you speak Do you speak Malay as well? Yeah, of course. Malay is my uh, country language, right? We have to speak Malay. <laughs> right. So, okay. So you speak Malay, you speak English, and now you speak Mandarin. Thanks. Yeah, Chinese. Yeah, okay. and then let's say we're reading um Quran, but for for Christians, you guys you guys call Bible, right? So mm-hmm. we use Arabic uh to read it. So yeah. Right. So you you obviously know Arabic as well because of your faith. Yes. <laughs> All right. So you're a polyglot, multilingual. Awesome. That's really cool. Okay. So what people don't know about you is that you're an entrepreneur. So tell us about. I know you have a very interesting story and we're going to start with the story, but I want you to tell us first about the business you co-founded, your travel business, the mm-hmm. name of that business and, and what you're doing here in China with that business. Okay. So like um, our business is a startup business. Um, this year in March, we already had an idea in January, but then we started the business um, officially in March um, 2019. And then I'm also uh, one of the co-founders for this um, company, which is called Fun Trip. Um, but the whole sentence for Fun Trip is called Travel for Your Le- Leisure. So why it's like that is because um, we want everyone to, to have that kind of experience when you travel <clears throat> around China or probably in the future, you can like um, travel in the whole wide world whereby um, you can experience the culture from itself, from um, probably tour guide from the country itself. So um, you don't feel that kind of uh, misunderstanding or you don't feel that um, there's like disadvantage from, um, from, from people who are not from the country itself. So we're starting basically in Beijing first. And then now we're like, um, we have trips to Harbin, uh, and then, like, for example, if let's say you don't know where Harbin are, which are um, north of China. And then we also have um, some um, uh, trips in south of China as well. So um, basically, um, besides being a co-founder, I'm also the strategic head or manager for this um, fun trip. And we're planning to, like, extend to Malaysia where I'm, like, I'm going to go back to, to Malaysia like um, next year. So let's see, I'm going to start a plan and then do a really nice kind of um, col- um, collaboration with uh, with my team there. And then we might probably start our own um, branch in Malaysia. Then only like we'll start <laughs> trips to go there. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And I'm okay. I'm going to open my WeChat. All right. And I'm going to look at because I'm a part of your WeChat group. 
yep. your fun trip group, just mm-hmm. to give people an idea of some of the cool trips that you have. Like you mentioned Harbin, what people who don't, uh, who aren't familiar with China needs to know is that Harbin is freezing, okay? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it is on the border, it is on the Russian border, and yeah. it is freezing up there. And um, but there's a, a beautiful festival in the winter time where they have like the ice festival. So that's always good fun. OK, mm-hmm. so I'm into your group and there's so many amazing trips. So just to give people an idea, there is the ice water festival. There's the Harbin uh, Oriental Moscow trip. What else? There's winter grasslands. There's yeah. a trip to, Sh- to Xi'an. Yeah, Xi'an. Um, Xi'an is a, a historical center here in China. There's a trampoline party. Yeah, every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else do I see here? I mean, there's just so many interesting things. There was a, a skiing trip. I think I saw a picture of you on WeChat skiing. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. I to ski like every weekend nowadays. <laughs> so I'm like teaching yeah. people how to ski as well. <laughs> yeah, there's, um. I mean, it's literally fun trip. You do a lot of fun really fun cool trips and i hope to do one with you guys soon hopefully when it's warmer though i don't know about harbin yet i've been listen my i have some friends here right since Mm -hmm. i moved here in 2017 that have been trying to get me to go to harbin and i just the fact that it is so cold up there the pictures look amazing but it is I mean, when you go up there, you can't, you have to layer and you have to carry like all these things. And my friends were showing me pictures where they were eating in like ice, ice restaurants or something like that. Yeah. (laughs) I'm, I'm sorry. I'm too much of a wimp to go to Harbin in the winter. But I'll get there eventually. I know I'm a loser. I'm a loser. I admit. I admit. Because it's beautiful, but it just looks so cool. But anyway, this the point I'm trying to make is that this is an amazing company that you guys have. And you have, it's you and you have a co-founder, right? Yep. Yeah, so definitely. Our, uh, our founder is a Chinese girl. Um, basically, she is, um, I think she's a Beijing. Sorry, I forgot where she's from, but she's the Beijing people, I think. And then mm-hmm. uh, there are another two co-founders which are from Pakistan. So uh, actually, um, we had the, this idea is actually from a guy called Wakas, and he's from Pakistan. Um, he was the one like um, had the idea to make um, to to make this startup. And then then only like he called me out, and then the girl as well, the Chinese girl as well. And then we were thinking, yeah, sure, why not? Like we make it together because. Uh, based on our bad experience before, we were working in one um, company and they treated um, all the stuff there not really that good. So that's why we were thinking of doing it by ourselves and then make it bigger uh, towards um, other countries uh, as well, not just um, focusing in China because there's a lot of like um, company which are like, uh, they make trip leaders um, from, for example, they, they lead trips, uh, students who are leading trips to towards um, China, there's quite a lot of companies are doing this. So we were thinking probably uh, we might do it in other countries and students itself can um, um, lead trips as well while they're studying. So we were thinking of that rather than like, that's why we're not like focusing on profit base, but then we want to help the community and um, students because we know uh, youth is the future of the country, as the future of community as well. <laughs> Yeah, and that's a good segue into uh, 
what the story you told me about how you got into entrepreneurship. But before we get there, how long has Fun Trip been around? When did you guys um, establish the company? Um, we really established it in March, like I told you earlier. January was our idea, but then we already like signed legally, uh, like um, with with the law, Chinese uh, Chinese law, China law, sorry. So mm-hmm. it's already been uh, legally um, authorized by China law since March. So up till now, we're in December, right? Or is not, yeah, in December yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> right. And all of you are students, right? All of you are sort of young students. Yep. Uh, there's okay. one guy is PhD, uh, and then me and the Chinese girl are bachelors. Yeah. So for now, it's like. <laughs> okay, and everyone should know City is twenty four. <laughs> yeah. Almost, almost twenty five. Almost, yeah. almost. So <laughs> this is a this is a group of university students who are running a business as well. Okay, so. Would you like to share with us the story that you were telling me before you we got online where you said you were very young and you started I thought it was so interesting that you were that <laughs> young and you started mapping out your you know roadmap for your life and you said what did you say by the time you were 25 you had to have all of these things done and can you can you tell that story again and sort of explain how that how that idea of how you saw your life and what you wanted to do connected you to entrepreneurship sure um so like we've been talking before <laughs> before uh-huh. online. um yeah like um i i told joanne that um back then uh in 10 uh, 10 years back then when i was in high school i really have this kind of idea like um like what should i do in the future in 10 years time so i was like i still remember that i'm mapping out what my, my future goals in 10 years time probably by 25 I should achieve this kind of like dream goal and then one of it is becoming entrepreneur and then have power because like entrepreneur of course you have a lot of money and then you have power as well at, uh, at least you, ha- you have the power to voice out towards community so um, that's why uh, I ended up become uh, like I had this idea of like um, become a co-founder of this fun trip um, because like I think well, um, well, when you become an entrepreneur, you can at least have uh, a power and also money to help other um, people from uh, whether within your country itself and also from another country which are um, in poverty and all these kind of like hardships that are going through. So um, if I say you're just a normal people, you, you really have the idea you want to help them out, but then you can't because you don't have power and you don't have money. So that's the two basic main point that is really hard um, for normal people to achieve to in order to help others. So I always see a lot of people in like um, people who are rich and people who have power, of course, they will help um, people in poverty and, and um, in, in difficulties are like more easier than others. So that's why I was thinking, okay, I, I really want to help others. Okay, that's uh, I need to achieve my dream goal, then only I can uh, help others as well. So that's why like we ended up um like creating ourselves into fun trip <laughs> yeah but i mean you're 24 and you're already an entrepreneur so you've <laughs> you've already met the dream so now you can dream even bigger right yeah <laughs> yeah i still have like some some dream goals that i didn't achieve yet <laughs> of course but at least you you achieved that one so yeah. 
it's it sounds like you believe entrepreneurship is kind of like how I believe it's it's like a tool right and you can yeah. use it to to help people because yeah. you mentioned you mentioned several times in the conversation that you know it's about community and it's about helping people so yeah. you believe that entrepreneurs okay they tend to be when you a successful entrepreneur will more than likely be very wealthy mm-hmm. and with with that money you can then use it to help others so it's that yep. that's kind of your goal your mm-hmm. overall goal yeah and it's, what are some of sorry I'm, go ahead yeah because like i was thinking like um of course there's a lot of people who are um not wealthy for example in poverty people like um really um not like um, no money or or probably they don't have people a uh, place to stay and no food to eat or something like that's a lot in every country so in order to help them we can't just spoon fed them probably we we might uh, it's better to give them some ideas or probably a, a basic foundation or um something like that so that like they can um uh have something in order for them to survive and then make it out um, become a business so they will survive through that so we don't just like spoon fed them every time they just survive just by um, just by waiting for our help but then probably we might give some donation or something like for example this is my idea like for example we give some donation in order uh, in terms of money and then they make it out into a business so in that kind of cases then we can like lessen out people which are in poverty and everyone can become a businessman by themselves. So, yeah. <laughs> right. It's kind of like that saying about not giving people fish, but teaching them how to fish. You've yeah. ever heard of that? Yep, yeah. It's kind of like, yeah. Mm-hmm. You want to enable people. So what are some, do you have any other ideas of how um, entrepreneurship can be used to help people? Like, for example, social entrepreneurship? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, social entrepreneurship is quite famous here in Beijing. Um, mm. But in Malaysia back then, we don't really have that much exposure. So when I come here to Beijing, then I'll see that there's, there's quite a lot of social, um, um, sorry, social entrepreneurship. So by, for example, for, by communities, like when you meet into people, you, you, you'll definitely meet all sorts of kinds of people. So you just need to choose which kind of people which can lead towards achieving your dream so, of course, uh, you have to choose a good community as well. For example, people who's already like um, in in uh, for example in in the middle of like success, or probably they're already successful, something like that. So they will definitely bring you together um, in order to achieve your dream goals, like much more closer. So yeah, social entrepreneurship is quite really interesting topic and really famous, like in nowadays, especially in Beijing itself. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's very popular around the world. It's the it's the idea of marrying two concepts. You know, yes, your company yep. will be profitable, but you're solving uh, a social problem, a big problem that that's going to have impact. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think like everyone have their own ideas in order to help uh, towards uh, building a better community. So it's just that um, each and every idea of every person needs to meet up in order to help uh, the community itself. So that's how you um, like help together because like one people can't do it alone. They, if I, uh, there's a thing um, saying that like, for example, if you wanna go far, uh, sorry, if you wanna go fast, you, have, you can go alone. But then if you wanna go far, you have to go in a team. 
So that's how like you need to create a team, a really good team, um, which have the same idea as you, like really good foundation, and mm-hmm. um, like there's no misunderstanding and stuff. Then it's uh, easier for you to go much more further. Definitely. And you mentioned something interesting that social entrepreneurship is not very popular in back home in your country in Malaysia. Why yeah. do you think that is? I think it's because like we since we have different kind of races. So um, I don't know why, but like uh, since back then till now, it's always like this. Um, even though Malaysia is a really peaceful country, uh, there are some people who are really extremists towards their own um, races. For example, people who are not um, don't have this kind of open mind, especially people who are in village areas, and then. Um, citizens who are in their 40s or 50s, they will affect their youngsters or their children to just be like them instead of like become open mind and socialize with other races and religion as well. So as for Mm. me, I'm glad and I'm thankful that my parents, uh, especially my dad, he studied abroad in US. So he has this kind of culture. So he did, he doesn't have this kind of culture shock. And he make us like, he teaches from from little, uh, like, um, learn English and then um, we have this kind of mixed culture of like Indian and Chinese and I'm living in, in back home in Malaysia in, in Selangor area uh, all my neighbors are Chinese as well so I'm really interested I mean like for me I can't really be close to Malay community I don't know why I think probably most of them they don't really like it might probably because of like I'm not really acting like them. I act like them. So I have this kind of different mindset than, than them. So I can really be close with different races, for example, Indian and, and Chinese. So I have no problem. My 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 best friends are, are Chinese and Indians and not Malay. <laughs> so I think probably it's mm. kind of funny. But then, yeah. So it, different, uh, it depends on family as well. So we still have this kind of problem in Malaysia about like racist thinking and, and stuff. But then there are still who are people... Uh, who's like living abroad and studying abroad and their, their family culture are also like really open so um, they are more towards that so it depends actually yeah yeah but I want to understand something in Malaysia everyone speaks Malay everybody knows Malay as the national language and then you learn English in school or does it depend on your ethnic background what language you would know say first you know what I mean yeah so basically in Malaysia itself, uh, I think it's kind of complicated since uh, Malaysia, they, um, they, they, they give the right, of, for example, people who are Chinese and Indian, they can learn um, in uh, their language, um, their own language, for example, in, in schools, they have, they have different schools, like Chinese schools and Indian schools since, um, since, uh, since little till high school but then they have to still uh, to know our own national language Malay language so um, there are different kinds and different types so we also have like government schools for example uh, teach in Malay but there are some Chinese and Indians can um, enter it as well uh, and then there are some uh, private schools as well for for instance people who have more money they can send their, their kids to go to private school and, and learn it in English so it depends, but uh, but I think most of them um, they can speak Malay. It's just that uh, I think there are quite a lot and quite a few of numbers of uh, especially Chinese, uh, Chinese Malaysians. They can't really speak that well in Malay, 
um, unless for for those who are going for government schools and then they they learn in Malay, so for sure uh, they already mingle around with with um with us locals Malay, so they can speak uh, quite well in Malay. But then people uh Chinese citizens uh Chinese Malay Chinese Malaysian who are studying in um Chinese uh, schools since small, so they can't really speak that well in Malay language. So how can we um communicate with them is by using English. So that's why Malay and English are always together. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, Malaysia was colonized by the British, so you would still have kind of that, I guess, remnants of that English colonial system, no? Like in the schools? Yep, true. Because yeah. like, you know, like before we get our independence, first we are colonized by Portuguese, and then second is Japan, and then the last one is the uh, British. Oh my goodness! Yes, yeah. complicated. You <laughs> yep. know, as you as you were speaking about, um, you were saying that like you find you because of the way you were raised, being you know your father was educated in the U.S. and open-minded and so on. You said that sometimes you don't feel like you're accepted by Malay and you have more Chinese and Indian friends. Yeah. I think. I think that's something a lot of people from different parts of the world can relate to because mm -hmm. I think sometimes when you come from a certain ethnic group mm -hmm. and you're open-minded, maybe sometimes fe people feel a little threatened by that, maybe a little insecure and they feel like you, I don't know, it's like you can't be proud of who you are but still be open-minded. It's like you have to make a choice, you know? Yeah. So mm -hmm. like if you're, you know, like if you're, in some like i'm a black person right from the caribbean mm -hmm. but let's say let's say i i i don't let's say i i'm around of a group of different types of black people i don't know different black people from all over the world or something and i i sound a certain way or i speak a certain way or i don't act a certain way maybe certain people in that group might think that I, I'm not black, like I'm trying to act like I'm something else. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of like that. So I think wherever you go, you find that whether wh whatever nationality you come from, sometimes within a culture, within a subculture, sometimes people feel a little threatened by that. But I think you can be proud of your ethnic Malay background and still have yeah. friends from all over the world. Like you, it's not like you, you have to choose. Yeah. So um, I think I a lot of people experience that. They might feel threatened because of like they're getting used or comfortable with what they are in and they're mm. not really like um they don't want to take the risk of going more further than that than what they are um in right now so i think it's common and then but i think i'm glad because i make a little change because like um when i because like in beijing uh i myself i think if I say back then, I see myself I'm where I'm, I am now, I might be like really surprised because like somehow it just, uh, God like gives me ev all the all the roads which I didn't think of that I might go through this kind. And then whatever I've been through, uh, somehow I posted it in Facebook or Instagram and then um, I'm friends with, with uh, my teachers uh, from schools and from universities and my friends, uh, whether it's uh, local Malay or Chinese or Indians. So they see how I uh, go through how my life is and how my ideas are. Then they become more open-minded and think um, 
like more further and not just like stay and comfortable with what they are in right now. So I think it's a good thing uh, to be different. <laughs> I agree. I think it's important. I think if that's, you know, I think if that's who you are, then absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you can set an example because you show people that, um, you you know it's okay it's okay to explore and it's okay to have different types of friends it doesn't make you less than anything you're just yeah. you're just living your life right and i yeah. mean now you're in beijing which is such an international city and you're studying at a university with international students from all over the world you know yeah. africa <laughs> different parts of asia and the caribbean and yeah. russia and there's so <laughs> many turkey there's so many foreign students studying so now you get to meet people from all over the world as yeah. well and that's that's also interesting too mm -hmm. so something that you touched upon that you you said um you also wanted to be um uh, a Muslim woman stand out as a Muslim woman entrepreneur. Why is that important to you? Well, since I'm a Muslim, uh, but I think because like for when I see the news every time uh, since I was small until now, there's I think there are no specific points which are written by reporters or any news with a headline saying that oh Muslim entrepreneurs especially a lady who's wearing hijab because like i think probably people might still uh people all over the world might still think um muslim as a threat for them so but it's not true because uh it depends on country and it depends of like because like muslim itself have different types for example open-minded muslims uh which are we still have the really good background of our religion we still um um, think our religion is the first, but then we are not too extremist. So for us, my, uh, for me myself, I'm thinking of like that. Even though I'm Muslim, but I can do whatever I want. I can help community, whether it's Muslims or Christians or whatever. My my uh, my friends here in Beijing are Christians, are Buddhists. So I'm like okay with them, really good, and they um I respect them and they respect me myself as a Muslim as well. So I'm I'm glad that it's okay, and then. I, I was thinking like I want to make it a, a bit different so people all around the world might uh, have a look of a different kind of Muslim and then think that Muslim are not a threat and not an uh, extremist like which they think that Mus uh, which they think probably all the Muslims are ISIS or something like that so yeah something like that so I was thinking like if I say I'm a female entrepreneur and a Muslim which wearing hijab so, and then a successful lady and can help all the community. So I think uh, people might give an idea or might have this kind of um, thinkability in in their mindset. Oh, Muslims are not what they think they are. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what, I mean, people can't see you, but you are hijabi. You do cover. Yeah. So um, you are a visible Muslim. You know, it's not like you know you don't cover so people when people see you they see islam well some people you know yeah. like some people will see you and that's all they will see some mm. people will just see that you are a human being and treat with you to treat you that way but there's mm. always going to be some people who will look at you and see hijab and think okay she's some kind of a threat like you said so it's mm. also it's also very important for you to rep to represent that in a positive way and that's important yeah. to you and something that we talked about was um we were trying to to talk of figure out like if they're all the, the successful sort of visible hijabi entrepreneurs mm -hmm. and we talked about that we see a lot of um 
hijabi um, entrepreneurs in the fashion space, in the mm. makeup space, and in the hijabi space. But we were really curious about those hijabi Muslim women that were maybe having impact in different industries. Mm. Well, I was thinking in Malaysia itself, it's also quite famous uh, hijabis um, since um, in Malaysia and Indonesia are quite open, but then all of them are just focusing towards uh, fashion streams and also makeup. So I think it's just too common and um, female entrepreneurs need to focus or need to open up into different kind of like sectors or industries. For example, I know for sure they are some who are really uh, specialized in different kind of fields. Um, especially in um, IT sectors or banking or um, networking or whatever it is, uh, which can provide towards the future. Um, since this is our future nowadays, is more towards IT sectors and AI or whatever it is. So I think out uh, out there um, in any kind of countries, there are some like um, Muslims or female entrepreneurs. I, I know there are female entrepreneurs, even though it's kind of less and news are not really that spoken out about like female entrepreneurs especially in muslim uh, entrepreneurs so i want to like i i hope that there are more and more uh female and also muslim entrepreneurs uh, uh female muslim entrepreneurs as well like to to go for this kind of sectors so that like uh we can make the community better and and worldwide can see us like uh we're also like moving towards the future yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's also better for, for solving problems because if women who are coming from that those communities or that particular faith, women of your faith, you understand problems in your community better than, than an outsider. So yeah. you can solve problems. You, you understand how the tech would work because you understand how your community thinks. So you know yeah. how to effectively, you know, make cater things and make things work for your community better than anybody else. So that's why it's also good to to spread yourself out and 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 be in all the industries, not just one. But I think that's something across the board. You know, we always hear that women tend to go into certain kinds of fields, fashion, yeah. hair, mm -hmm. makeup, mm -hmm. beauty. <laughs> um, do you think that's just because that's the way we're raised or why do you think that is? I think probably it might be because of uh, we're girls, so uh, of yeah. course uh, the basic and foundation are coming out from from the parents itself. When I when I tell by history, like um, g when girls grow up because of dolls and um, and dolls have this kind of how say like um, makeup and then how to cook and kitchen and, and blah blah blah, all this kind of how to become a really good wife or something like that. So all the things are like from basic since you were since you were a kid. But then if let's say you uh, try to look at how the guys or the boys been grown up is because of they are being grown up by like for example toys are um, how to build a, a building or um, how um, how do you solve these kind of problems. Everything are just based on minds. But then um, uh, how the mindset are. But then for girls it's just like. Uh, becoming a, ended up uh, how to become a good housewife or how, how to like fashion all, all this kind of stuff so since you were a kid you already been taught all this kind of stuff by by parents so I think mm -hmm. that's why it it, uh, it relates to how when you grown up you just 
think of oh this is what i want to do when i grow up <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i know a lot of a lot of women who've gone into sort of rare courses or non-traditional fields have mm. said to me that it's because maybe their father supported mm. them a lot and maybe their father encouraged them or their mother or they had somebody along the way who encouraged them and challenged them a little bit i mm. think sometimes girls you know like you said the way we're raised and even in school with teachers i think it's yeah. your teachers too because I'm a teacher and I, I teach business and entrepreneurship. And I think sometimes teachers tend to give up on, on certain students or, yeah, or there might be a bias and you may not push the girls as much as you might push the boys. Yeah. Because me personally, when I teach, I push all my students, you know, but mm-hmm. I do observe, you do observe those students who are a little bit pushier and who are a little bit edgier and you know which students you can push more and you know which students that kind of, okay, they just, they're not interested. Like I do have, for example, I have some students, I teach um, an intro to business class and some girls and all they want to talk about is hair and makeup businesses. (laughs) But you know, and that, and I, and I try not to bring my own bias as a teacher. It's important for me to not bring my own bias to the classroom, but I always say, okay, fine. You know, makeup in here, this is billion dollar industries. That's important. Yes. Create your makeup brand. But in the back of my head, I always think, okay, but maybe you could do something else. Yeah. And I always say, I always say, what about, why don't you try this? And they're like, no, no, I want to do this. Miss Hamilton. I'm like, okay, fine, fine. (laughs) So I think, you know, it's some girls are just like that. You know, they're very, very, I have some students who they know everything about makeup and they want to create makeup brands. And I say, okay. And I, my job is to just make sure that they get to see every makeup brand and see all the different people building makeup businesses and whatever. But sometimes Mm -hmm. there may be a teacher who says, okay, fine. You don't need to know how to do this Mm. Um, math problem where you don't need to know how to dissect this laborate, you know, because you're a girl or whatever the case may be. So I think there's a bit of that there as well. Yeah, I think it's because of uh, that as well, because like probably teachers might say um, students uh, back then during their um, learning process, uh, they might think that they're interested in that and they want to do that in future as well. But then once they go up and then in a certain level when they are in universities or something they might change their fields and what they are interested in so that's why it's a good um, foundation if I say teachers uh, don't just give up on them uh, um, like from that start because like even though they are interested in some kind of fields but in future they might change into something else so it's a really good um, thing if I say they learn everything and then um, if I say in the future uh, they change fields, so they have at least some kind of basic and really good basic of what they learned back then in high school or, or secondary school or something like that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And mm. as as teachers, it's something that we have to remind ourselves that there's a, I call it the arc of growth, you know, I always have to remind myself they're very young now, they're not (laughs) going to be like this forever, you just have to be, because you, you, you can get very impatient, you know, like, I just want you to learn this, why would you learn this, and you have to tell yourself, it's okay, they're like that now, but you know, we don't know what they're going to be like when they're 18, when they're 19, when they're 20, when they go to university, and they might, 
you know, you might they might be obsessed with video games now, but when they go to university, they realize they like finance and that's what yeah. they want to study. So mm-hmm. as a teacher, that's that's a very good point. You always have to keep in the back of your mind that they're still young, they're still growing, they're still learning, and you can't get too frustrated. And you because from the teacher's perspective, you want them to just learn. You want yeah. them to learn and you want to see them learning. And it, it can be very difficult when you just see that they're they're mm-hmm. not getting it or they're not they're giving up on themselves too mm-hmm. quickly. So that's very, very important that they not specialize and that you you keep your mind open and just try to show them as much possibility mm-hmm. that that's available. That's very, very true. Very true. So think, um, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that becoming a teacher is a really hard uh, work because like uh, besides of being a teacher, you also like probably might become uh, a mom for a uh, any like um any kind of age of children in like everyday life till they graduate so uh, that's why like for me i know that i can't become a teacher because um i have this kind of level of patience so if i say it went like uh, it just go through this level so i i'd be like no just stop it <laughs> so i think whoever becoming a teacher i really respect them so much because i know they they have a really high patience of teaching uh, kids, especially especially kids who are just don't listen. <laughs> yeah, I think I you know how I will respond to that. I will tell you I only became a full time teacher two <laughs> years ago. OK, mm-hmm. at the age of thirty nine. <laughs> <laughs> Because, and there's a reason for that, because Mm -hmm. if I, if I had gone into teaching, say, when I was 21 and fresh out of university, I would have never lost it. Mm -hmm. I had a complete like career in business, in the corporate world. And I did lots of things before Mm -hmm. I became a teacher. So Mm -hmm. I became a teacher at the right time in my life where I was willing to bend and where I could still learn patience because Mm -hmm. you're right. You have to have a lot of patience. I mean, Mm -hmm. because you you can't you know you you have to hold back you want to say something and you can't say it (laughs) because you get so frustrated and you're just like okay no 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 you have to be very patient and you're right you are a teacher is a mom a dad a psychologist a therapist a nurse you you know conflict resolution specialists when they decide they want to start fighting each other you're a lot of different things and there's a lot of guilt because You, I'm like for myself personally, I'm constantly thinking, don't say the wrong thing, say this yeah. in the right way, because you don't want to hurt their self-esteem. Yeah. So you want to be encouraging, but you mm-hmm. want to be firm. So there's always this dance. How yeah. like a like how can I be firm without putting them down? How can I, you know, it's a it's a oh, it's a mind game. It's crazy, yeah. but um, it makes you very it makes you very emotionally and mentally strong. And yeah. I think that makes me better as an entrepreneur. I always yeah. say teaching improves my entrepreneurial skills because mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur, you have to have that mental like uh, resilience as well, yeah. and you have to be patient because things are gonna go wrong. Yeah. You know, like people yeah. often compare their businesses to a child, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And I, I do. I have a lot of respect for the teaching profession. I'm very new to it. Mm-hmm. And I always say that my I have so much respect for my colleagues because my colleagues, most of them have been doing this for 20, 30 years. And I just look at them like, wow, mm-hmm. like, wow, how how did you manage this? It is a difficult job. It's a yeah. difficult job. So but I teach I teach what I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. And I think when you teach what you enjoy, it's a little bit more in, it's more fun it's more mm-hmm. fun because you can make it interesting and you have fun in the classroom so it's okay yep. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, so where do you see yourself in the future then, City? I mean, you're 24 and you've already accomplished most of the things that were on your list that you wrote down when you were a teenager. So mm-hmm. what are you going to do next? You're going to start more businesses? Yeah. Um, besides of becoming entrepreneur, so I was thinking I want to make my own business, which um, I have this idea. I want to found it. I want to found it a business um, which are related to Southeast Asia uh, countries um, and also with China as well, um, especially in the fields of like IT sectors, AI, uh, whatever it is like um, for, for future. Because I think Southeast Asia, we, um, we have this kind of like abilities and, and advantage as well. Um, in order in order to success, it's just that we're not together. When I see when I come here to Beijing and I see this kind of organization which are like um, make every country's uh, there's an organization called SCO I think it's color I think so they they combine all this like um, Kazakhstan or Kyrgyzstan all these stands country and, and Pakistan as well like together. So mm. it's a good thing, and then I want to do it like for Southeast Asia as well, and then uh, related to trade, e-commerce, and then IT and all this. Yeah, and besides that, like I'm thinking like in future, probably in ten years time, uh, besides of being um, um, an entrepreneur, I want to become like one of the like uh, politician as well. Because like mm-hmm. a part of being a part of having a money, you need to have power as well. Because like as an entrepreneur, of course, you can like um, uh, invest your money into the country. But then, how you wanna make people to um, understand is by um, giving out ideas to your, to their minds. So you need to have power in order to talk uh, to people, even though uh, not only in normal uh, citizens. Uh, um, but then you need to speak out to the people who are in higher level so you need to have power so yeah (laughs) yeah yeah I think you've got it all figured out I mean you know most most entrepreneurs eventually become politicians (laughs) (laughs) or or they become they become some type of so you know leader in the society or you have some politicians that um then go into into business the two the two are very connected because like you said you you have economic power you have political power right but yep. and and there's nothing wrong with that i think the problem is just that sometimes these people become corrupt and then yeah. they make poor decisions that don't benefit the community the society the country what have you and yeah, that's why like i was thinking even though you uh, you start up with, with an entrepreneur and then you become a politician just make sure that don't do anything wrong for example like corrupted and stuff because you need to think of like back then how you start and then corruption just becomes like more things uh difficult and then it's not um going through going to a good thing in the future so um just whatever step that you're taking just have to be careful and then, like, um, choose the right community, choose the right people, uh, you know, in order to work together and avoid doing mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. So, what um, parting words of advice or encouragement or inspiration do you have for our listeners? Because, as you know, um, this community is all sort of aspiring. Um, early stage entrepreneurs, um, many of them young, young women, uh, you know, some young men, very, very new to business, just like yourself, very passionate, lots of ideas. And 
coming from countries like where you come from, developing where, where I come from, you know, the Caribbean, Malaysia, Africa, Southeast Asia, these countries where, as we know, life is very un imperfect mm -hmm. and there are a lot of um, frustrated young people, a lot of unmet needs, a lot of corruption, and the list goes on and on and on and on. Mm -hmm. And it can be very difficult to start a business. And, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes young people feel hopeless. So yeah. what words of advice and inspiration do you have for them in terms of how they can use entrepreneurship to, to create a better life? Well, I was thinking even though you come from any sorts of country, first, you just need to have this kind of positive mindset. Whatever you go through, I, I know that there's roads, there are such difficult roads um, in, in order to, to achieve success. So you have to fail a lot of times, uh, then only you can achieve success. Me, my, myself, I'm also not sure uh, what kind of like failures that I'm, I'm going to go through in the future, but I'm ready for it. And then um, just think of like, make sure that you have a really good team or really good like uh, people who will push you to uh, towards your goal, who will push you like forward. Uh, because like, re um, like family and also friends which are having positive mindset can, uh, because you know, like whenever you go through difficulties, you always have this kind of negative things and negative thoughts in your mind. So you need to brainwash your stuff, uh, your, your brain again to become a positive thing so and also um always pray to god that um whatever you go through you have this kind of strong abilities and encourage to um just think of it as a positive thing and then um you know there's a lot of like ways to go to go and uh, achieve your goals if if let's say um the using a is not a really good thing try to use b or c or d that's a lot of ways so if let's say you fail in a just go through uh, another ways and then um like for example um uh, entrepreneurs itself like um what kind of like any kind of sort of business are you you if you just start start up uh make sure that you know your market well and then uh do a lot of research and then um like go through your um, competitors and then um, make sure that you really have a strong background as well and you already know that uh, what you set up and then what are you going to go through because I know um, as uh, startup or, or entrepreneurs, um, starting itself is, uh, is quite hard and then in the middle, you, how you want to go through more further is more, much more harder because like, you do want to go through a deficit like um, all of a sudden. So you just need to create a new idea or a new innovation in order to become like more further and then different than your competitors. Yeah. Wow. Fantastic. Wonderful. Well spoken. My God. Are you really 24? <laughs> I think like, you know, every time when I do this kind of like test, like, mm -hmm. I don't know, I think it brain test or something. Like, I'm age, <laughs> my age is 24, but how I think is like 35, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm 41, so we're not, if your, your brain is closer to mine, so it's okay. I'm learning, I'm learning a lot from you. It doesn't, it doesn't matter the age. It's, mm -hmm. I think we have something to learn from everybody, irrespective yeah. of, of their age. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
and life experience. So I've learned a lot from you. Thank you so much for talking with me this evening. It was an absolute privilege Mm -hmm. and I really, really enjoyed our conversation. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure that there's quite a few people on the other end who were inspired by you and who learned a lot from you as well. So what I'll do, I'll put all of your information in the show notes and any other social media or contact details that you want people to have in case they want to reach out to you. Yeah, sure. No problem. <laughs> okay, City. Thank you so much. Now you have a lot of studying to do and work <laughs> and activities and running your business. And I mean, did we say at the beginning all the various organizations that you are involved with? My goodness. I think I, I haven't. Think, <laughs> I should, I should yeah. I say it all? <laughs> I there's so many. I don't know how you do it all, but you're incredible. You're such a good example. So <laughs> continued success to you, my dear. And I hope you can come back on in another time and we can we can learn more about your your next project when you get up to that Mm, thank you so much okay all right folks that's it from city so bye for now bye